so last last week um, when we came in and uh, was singing and um, it was fairly early on in the singing, uh, I've looked down and I saw just in front of me was Caleb and he was on his knees and he was having a wow of a time. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I could hook into that. And immediately I had that thought I was shaking. I just immediately, I was shaking, my knees were shaking, my legs were shaking. I was worried if I'd be able to, um, that I might fall down. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is powerful stuff. And um, so I was just enjoying that for a while. And then I thought, oh, I wonder if you get some visions with this. And immediately I had a picture of a massive whirlwind, like it was a tornado. It was it had a, a massive base to it and it was swirling around and the wind was really whipping around this huge, huge um, funnel of uh, cat, um, dust and storm, I guess, going up into the atmosphere and uh, I could feel that there were people behind me or around me and they were afraid of, um, of what was happening in front of us. But I just wanted to get in there. And I was just going in there and, you know, you could feel this, the power of this storm as it was sort of whipping around. And even when I sort of started to lift off into the air, I had a thought, oh, how will I land? And um, I had this answer was, it doesn't matter, you're safe. And in this massive storm. And at that moment, as I was taking off, uh, Caleb stood up and spoke about his vision uh, of this huge storm coming across the ocean and his was lightning and that sort of thing. But I saw a massive storm whipping around and going up. So I was thinking about that um, this week, thinking, is it weird to hook into somebody else's buzz? Um, and when I was growing up, I grew up in a, a little old church and, you know, the most exciting thing that was happening was the ivy growing up the walls, you know. Um, there, was, there was one lady in the church and she used to raise one hand when they sang and everyone thought she was weird. They talked about her and her... And the things she did and everybody was singing and then they're looking at her, putting a hand up like, this is just weird. And it was, it was really quite directed at this lady. Like, I'm not, saying, I'm not suggesting it was unspoken of. It was quite um, uh, bad that they thought she was quite the weirdo. Um, and I was thinking, well, she was obviously connecting to God. She wasn't just there to sing, she was actually connecting and nobody knew that. And you know, you could be standing in the middle of uh, an amazing spiritual party and get nothing because you spend the time judging what that person looks like instead of hooking into it. And I've, I've done it once before 
that I can think of. And I was watching um, Pastor. <laughs> uh, and the first thought was from my childhood of that just looks put on. You know, he's just um, putting on a show. And I thought, oh, I'll check it out. And I put my hands out and then I could feel the power actually radiating and, and actually having that confirmation that that wasn't just a show, that was actually the Spirit of God. And, um, and when you think about it, it's actually um, what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be here to help each other. Praying for somebody uh, is you passing your spirit onto, or you know, putting that flow into that other person. We all have ebbs and flows with our connection to God. I mean, it's our our fault what ebbs and flows, but we all have that. We all have. Um, days and moments where we struggle and that's where we can hook into somebody else where someone else can pray for you and um, you can, you're still welcome in the party you know uh, even if you're struggling to start it yourself <laughs> thank you Catherine thank you it's really great to hear people's testimonies so how about we all stand up and get ready ready to connect in and uh, just as Catherine did, let's, let's, you know, be ready to just connect into whatever God wants to do, whatever he has for us this morning. And let's, let's enjoy worshipping him. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. In all my days, I've been held in your the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will see Of the goodness of God
My past became my prison Love was waiting with the key Yeah My story was my failure Now my story is redeemed yeah. My freedom's written in your nails
Yesterday is gone. Mercy like a river washes over you right now. It's a new day. It's a new day. Lift your head up. It's a new day right now. Look in his eyes. Fullness of his face smiling down at you. It's a new day. The past is gone.
Probably didn't come to church expecting this this morning. <laughs> you know, when they dedicated the temple, they were all ready to do their thing. And it just says the glory of the Lord filled the temple and they could not stand to minister. We are in the last days. God says, I'm going to do a new thing. <laughs> and we can be a part of what He's doing. Or not. I spoke last week about being yielded or not. I said that God won't override our will. He's given us a will and will not override it. So what we experience and how far we go with 
what God is wanting to do. It's in our hands. Words are so often so inadequate to express the heart of God. You know, that's why Jesus told so many parables about the same things. He came from different angles to try and give people the, the, the fullest understanding of of the spiritual truth that he was, he was wanting to present, he was wanting them to receive. And um, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I might struggle a little bit this morning because um, the title of my message this morning is broken <laughs> so <clears throat> I want to um, read three verses that just lay the foundation of, of this this morning and this is God's heart this is his word it's his heart. This is Psalm 51 and verse 17. And this is David. And, you know, we know the, the story of, of, of David and the direction that he went. At one point, got some bad advice. And one thing led to another. And, and this is after Nathan the prophet had come to him and said... You're the, you're the man who's done these things. But David writes in Psalm 51 and verse 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. That word broken means to break in pieces, to break up. And contrite goes a little bit further, to crumble, to crush, even finer. I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with... <laughs> with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. We have access into heaven through Jesus' sacrifice. We are seated in heavenly places with him. That's what the word says. This word says, I dwell in that high and holy place with him who has a con <laughs> with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the hearts of the contrite ones. 
There is, in our baptism, there is a death and there is a resurrection. It's not only a death, there's a resurrection. (laughs) So when we come to him in that brokenness, he's not going to leave us there. There is a brokenness that is not good. That's a brokenness that the enemy will try and bring. But there is a brokenness before God that he delights in. As strange as that might sound. And a few pages over the last book of, of, last book of Isaiah. Isaiah 66 verse 1 and 2. Heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made. And all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. That's where God is bringing his church and there is no, no escape. <laughs> there is no escape from this being a reality in our lives if we want to experience all that God has. There is no escape. And who'd want to? <laughs> but on this one will I look. That word look, it means to regard with pleasure, favour or care. That's how God is looking on those with a contrite heart. I will look, but on this one will I look, says God, to regard with pleasure, favour or care. On him who is poor, that means afflicted, humble, lowly or needy. Do we recognise our total need for our Saviour in every aspect, in every part of our life. Do we actually recognise that? Hallelujah. So we're talking about that this morning, that brokenness that God looks upon and he says, I can do something with that. I can actually do something with that, with that heart. So I'd like to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. It's often called the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal just means wasteful. That's all that word means, wasteful. My Bible says the parable of the lost son. So in verse 11, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me all the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, 
and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living, wasteful living. But when he had spent all, there came a severe famine in that land and he began to want. So the younger son, he, just, he wanted what he could get from life. Well, actually, from his father. It was all his father's stuff. Do we recognise that? Whatever we have, whatever it is, it originated with the father. Whoever we are, whoever we think we are. It's only from what God supplies. So that's what the younger son, he just wanted, I just want it all, I just want to do. So if you look at it, he was self-centred, self-seeking, full of self-importance and had an entitlement mentality. And he could so, um, so easily fit into modern Western society, couldn't he? Because that's where we are. That's our society. Self-centred, self-seeking, self-important. And that entitlement mentality, that's... A, that's I deserve. You owe me. He didn't want relationship. He wasn't after relationship. He didn't. You, you, from, from, the, from the parable, you, you'd have to say, well, he didn't care about his father. There was, there was no desire for relationship interaction. Just give me all the stuff and I'm off. He only wanted the blessing. That's what he wanted. He wanted the blessing. So he took it and he wasted it. But you see, he cut himself off from his source. He cut himself off from the source of all that he had. You cut yourself off from the source, there's no more coming. That's it. What you've got is what you've got. Nothing else. Because where it came from is gone. And that's where he found himself. Verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And that would have been really, that would have been really offensive in uh, Jesus telling his parable to the, the Jewish people. And uh, you know, they, they didn't have a, a, a bacon and egg roll for brekkie or anything like that. They didn't go there. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? 
I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. (laughs) Make me like one of your hired servants. It says, when he came to himself, you know, there was a realisation of the condition that he found himself in. And you know, there's a realisation of the condition that we are living in. Now, you've got to be balanced in, a, in saying something like that. Because yes, we, we, we have received Jesus Christ. We are saved. And there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And we're not to be sin conscious as far as looking to our sin because that puts us in this place. That puts us in, I'm just a servant. I am just a lowly servant where God says, you are my son, you are my daughter. So it's being conscious of the righteousness of God that we need to live in. Conscious of what he has done and who he has called us to be. And living in that place. But you know, there are things, aren't there? There are things that we deal with, that we are still dealing with. There are things, there are decisions that we make. But he realised the condition that he was in. But let's take a look at the father's response. Verse 20. And he arose and (laughs) came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe and put a ring Uh, and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. (laughs) He wasn't even listening to what the son was was bringing. He wasn't... No, he was just looking for his son. He was just looking for that restored relationship. That was the father's response. Isaiah 66, but on this one will I look to regard with pleasure, favour or care. You know, as we present ourselves to God and the things that are obstructions to what he wants to do, that's what we get. We don't get condemnation, we don't get judgement. We get the loving hand of our Father. It gives him great pleasure, that response from us. Now we should, um, <clears throat> we should really know in this place the, the parable of the sower and the seed from Matthew 13, so we're not going to read it. But there's different heart conditions that are in that parable. And Jesus started off with the... With the first heart condition with the first
the first example of, of how a heart can be before God. And that was the hard heart. And it couldn't receive anything from God. So in the parable, it's the path. And the, some seed fell on the path. It had been trodden down and trodden down and trodden down. Walked across, walked across. And we know how soil compacts. And seed just bounced off. It couldn't get, couldn't get in. And we know that that seed is the word of God. And on a hard heart, that that. That seed, that word, just cannot penetrate. Um, you know, in our in our yard, we've got a, a few acres, and and it was all covered in in um, in Chinese scrub when I bought it. So I promptly cleared it. Um, then found out you're not supposed to do that. I don't think I'd get in big trouble if I did that today. But um, anyway, cleared all the Chinese scrub off, and then it grew some grass oh, and there was a lot of Chinese scrub so you're pulling out all the scrub and it's breaking up the dirt and anyway and then it grew grass you know there was a time when when Caleb was a little bloke and he had a birthday party and we in, you know, invited some kids over and set up some soccer goals and they played soccer up and down on this grass they had to mow it huh? and um, you know then then came along our our millennial drought and um, so the grass died, and and uh, and you know that that drought finished with some some good rain. But by that time, there hadn't been nothing growing there for for that long. That the ground actually had become hard, and there is no grass in that area um, on my block. The ground is actually hard. When, you, when we get a thunderstorm, it fills up the dam really quick because it just hits and runs off. You know, you can, have a, you can have a lot of rain and go and dig a hole and, you know, the water's penetrated about that far. Why is that? It's hard. It just doesn't get in. And do you know, if I... And I've been threatening to do it for a lot of years... <laughs> Um, to get a machine and just run backwards and forwards over it and just break it up. And if I do that, there will be grass that will grow there again. My neighbour did it in the paddock next door. Did the exact same thing. Scarified the, the, the ground. Threw a bit of chook manure on there, which was very much appreciated when there was a, you know, a bit of a westerly wind for about three weeks not but it grew grass and uh, it's a good spot I hit my golf balls out there glory to God but Jesus was talking about hearts and the hard heart doesn't have to stay hard Ground can be broken up. The ground of our heart can be broken up. Back to our will though, isn't it? <laughs> it's back to that decision. Will we allow God to actually do that? So how do we how do we feel about how do we feel about our sin? 
Well, Jesus took the sin of the whole world, didn't he? Past, present and future. When he died, he took all sin upon himself because he is not bounded to time. You say, well, how could he, how could he, how could he take the sins of, of the future? He's not bound. God's not bounded to time. Time is a creation of his. It's how you can know the end of the thing from the, from the beginning. Because you just sort of get round in front of it and look back. So yes, Jesus did take all sin upon himself. The sins that are being committed today and tomorrow and the next day and until he returns, he has paid for. He's paid for all those. And it cost. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I ask the question, how do we feel about our sin? Well, God's, God's forgiven me. It's good. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Now it's talking about sins against the, our, our body, sexual immorality. But verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We were bought with a price. And what a price. It was Jesus' blood, his body and his blood. <laughs> so how do we look at those things that we, 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 we understand and and consider against the will of God. They're sin. They're against the will of God. How do we look at those things? Oh, God's forgiven me. <laughs> hmm. He has. But actually, it cost Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to add to what he did. (laughs) 
So we were bought with a price. It says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And you say, how? How do we glorify God in our body and our spirit? Well, God was glorified by the works Jesus performed. You can read it time and time again in the Gospels. Jesus would perform a miracle and it always ends off with, and they glorified God. We've never seen anything like this, and they glorified God. You see it in the book of Acts, and it brought glory to God. So God was glorified in the works Jesus performed, and later the church. God is glorified when people are healed. God is glorified when people are delivered. God is glorified when they come into the reality of who he made them to be. So we are to be a conduit for God to move through. And if I was a real, real Aussie, 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 I'd say it was a conduit. <laughs> so you know what? You, we, we understand what a conduit is. Conduit. It's it's hollow. You put a you you put a piece of electrical electrical conduit, and you feed stuff through it. You know, there's a great big conduit underneath the, the, the stadium it was there put in preparation for the possibility of building a new building and all the electrical wiring and data and all the rest of it is put through these couple of, of different conduits and it's empty it's Empty at both ends. It's just put something in one end and it goes through to the other. That's what it's there for. That's how it works. I just happen to have a little piece of whatever size that is. That's all it is. Piece of conduit. Just empty. Nothing inside there. Smooth sides. Lovely. It only works when there's no obstructions. A piece of conduit works when there's nothing in there to stop whatever you're putting through there. You know, if a piece of conduit's put in the ground, it gets damaged. It's no longer of any great value because it, it will not do what it's supposed to do, and that is to hold things, allow things to go through. So sin, doubt, Unforgiveness, selfishness, they're all obstructions that stop the flow of the life and power of God being expressed and manifested through us. Because if this is us, God wants to do that. That's what he wants. I've lost my marbles. He wants to put 
himself in one end and have it come out the other. His power in one end and have it just flow through to the other end. And those things, you know, the well, it's 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 just it's just a, a little sin. It's just a, you know, it's not it's not a big deal. I've I've lived with that for years. You know, it hasn't hasn't done anything super bad. It's just you know, it's yeah. Well, I I haven't forgiven that person, but you know, I don't have anything to do with them. I can just get on with life. Yeah, well, I don't know that I actually believe what the Bible says in that area, but, you know, sun still comes up tomorrow. But, you know, even if it's just, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just a little thing, and God says, I've got something I want to express through you. It's not happening. It's not happening. Won't happen. Can't happen. Now, does that does that sound hard? Is that a bit confronting? That God's actually got God's actually got stuff that he wants to do and, and if we've got some of these things happening in there that what he wants to... He might have a double portion of what he wants to, to do through us. And, no, just come out the other end. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Thank you, my son. You know, there is... The Bible talks about a, a, a rod of, of, of correction. And, you know, there's, there's good um, verses in, in Proverbs and I'll, I'm just going to... And, and look, we, we look at them and say, oh, yeah, that's to do with, with, with children. Proverbs 22, verse 15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And, it, and if you read other versions, it's, it's actually a um, young man. Um, the rod of correction will drive it far from him. There's one over the page there, 23, verse 13. To withhold correction from a child, do not hold, withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. And you know that that's that's been rejected by our society by and large. You know, no, you can't do that. Well, it is the word of God. But I want to relate it to the last thing we have that that the apostle Paul wrote. And it is in Second Timothy, his last letter. 
his encouragement to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We've just got to be so open to, to what God wants to, to do in us. And the, the, the thing that he wants from us is to just be empty before him. And for that to happen, there has to be a brokenness within us. And can I tell you that's not pleasant? <laughs> Initially, it's not pleasant. But you know what that rod of correction does? It gets the stuff. It gets the stuff out of the way. So that we can function and flow as the church, as the people of God that he's created us to be. God is going to have his way. <laughs> it's written. He is going to have his way. Whether we're a part of that or not, he's left that with us. I, I, I want to use a, an example, a personal example. And uh, on Wednesday nights we have a prayer meeting um, down here. And different things happen. But, you know, over the last little while, it was, I don't know, five or six weeks ago, maybe, I was praying, I was sitting down here, and I just had my hands like, like this. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, they filled up. <laughs> That's as much as I can describe it. My hands got very warm and I could feel a weight. And I actually opened my eyes to see if somebody hadn't put something in my hands. Um, and I, I have not had that experience before. And um, it was a bit overwhelming. <laughs> and I, I said, God, this is great. So what do I do with this? What do I do with this? And um, I was prompted to go and dump that on somebody. <laughs> Pray for somebody. And I had a good report back from, from, from that. And that, um, that's, uh, that was good. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen all the time. Last Wednesday we had a prayer meeting here and I'm praying and I'm not feeling anything much at all and it was actually, it felt like hard work. Ever, ever prayed and you think, this, this, this is hard work. This is just hard work. And I'm, I'm thinking, because I've been, I've been meditating on, on this sort of stuff for a while because that's what God is bringing to me and 
Holy Spirit reminded me of an issue. And in the, in the midst of that prayer, I just asked for forgiveness. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? <laughs> You're never going to get a no. And I started, and I was a bit affected with that, I started to pray that God would use us to touch those around us. And I felt a brokenness in that, in that prayer. And, um, and it was immediately, <laughs> immediately, my hands just filled up again. And, um, and he gave me someone to, to go and lay hands on and pray for. It was sort of like, you know, it wasn't sort of... Sometimes as I'm praying, it's, it's just builds up and builds up. No, this was bang. It was, it was right there. And, and I thought, okay, I've got to make that connection. It's through brokenness of heart before God that we actually can, well, God can empty us of all the stuff. All the stuff that we know about, all the stuff that we don't, that he, the Holy Spirit will bring to, to our remembrance. But as we do that, we, we just... We just allow a, a flow that there has to be there for God to be able to operate the way he wants to. To God to be able to flow through a vessel. No agenda. No attitudes. Nothing. Just a vessel yielded and willing to be used by God. In Luke chapter 20 and verse 18, Jesus said this. He was, he was, he was talking to those who were opposing him. There were some Pharisees there. And at the end of, of a parable he was he was sharing with them he's talking about the stone that the, the builders had rejected and he said everyone who falls in humility upon that stone will be broken <sighs> but if that stone falls on you it will grind you to powder. God has given us a, mess, a, a ministry of reconciliation to help bring people to an understanding that there is a stone that they need to fall on so that it doesn't fall on them.
got a couple of thoughts. <clears throat> really, I guess it, it follows on what Tim was saying. We've got any coming through yet? Okay. Attitude is very important with God. We can come with a, a good outward show and we can sometimes fake it and pretend with people, but we can't fool God. God's looking at the heart all the time. And we may not understand how important and critical to our relationship with God is our gift, our giving, our offering. People have a lot of funny ideas about offerings in church, but if you understand what it's about, it's something God instituted so he could bless you, so the, the blessing would flow. But sometimes the vessel is blocked up with attitude and things don't flow the way God would like them to. So when we hear a message like we just heard, we can have such a clear flow with God that when we bring our gift, we understand what it's all about. And we begin to realise that, that God wants to flow to us through the attitude of a humble heart. When we come to present something to God with a humble heart, with an attitude of there's nothing, there's nothing hindering my relationship with God. What could hinder your relationship with God? Your relationship with someone else. Or an experience that you've had because of a relationship. Lots of things can block the flow. So we need to be coming with that right heart attitude so we can experience the, the, the gift of God. Offerings are actually a transaction and we're the ones that benefit from it. <laughs> Sometimes we think we're doing God the favour, but God's just looking for the heart in the gift so God can begin to flow and overflow and overwhelm. To flow, to overflow and overwhelm. And, and I was feeling the presence of God very strongly this morning in worship to the point where I was overwhelmed. And I was not able to, to give an offering teaching. And I just said to Tim, I'm not moving. I, 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 just, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't able at that time. But after listening to Tim, I began to realise, and I want to read this scripture. It's out of... Um, the easy to read version. It says, the sacrifice that God wants is a humble spirit. God... You will not turn away someone who comes with a humble heart and is willing to obey you. Sometimes we don't, we don't want to give for different reasons, but if we understand that the obedience brings the blessing, we're walking in obedience and 
the, the, the response from God, from the heart of obedience, a humble heart, it's overwhelming. And I've had some significant times in my life where I know the, 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 the experience, the, the, the gift from God was directly connected with a gift that I gave to him. And if we understand that God's giving us an opportunity in our giving, and we give in different ways now, and, and lots of people use the different methods. I still like putting in the letterbox. I like the, the action. I like the transaction. But whichever way you choose to give, and sometimes it can, it can be that God's wanting us to give of ourselves in a way that we're I was going to share an offering on motivation a little bit, but that's not coming out this morning. But if we, if we know, if we examine our hearts before we come to him, the scripture said to examine your heart before you bring your gift. Make sure your attitude's right with your brother before you bring your gift. So important. <laughs> so that's all I really wanted to share. But if we understand that the transaction in the gift is an awesome experience from God. And we recognize what it is. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the heart of Tim, willing to bring a message to touch the heart of your people, that you could flow through him, your word, to touch us to cause us to come into a revelation and an understanding of the love you have and the desire you have to welcome us with open arms, to put that robe upon us, to bless us, to restore, to bring us back to that place of walking in sonship with you. So Father, as we give, Whatever way people choose to give, Lord, Father, I'm asking that you would help us to examine our hearts, to know the intent, to cause our hearts to be right before you as we give. That that gift that we give will be a blessing to you. And as that blessing flows from a humble heart, we understand the blessing that comes back is multiplied. And we begin to understand a greater dimension of your love. That we can then begin to grow and to flow in that greater dimension of that love of God. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good time to have communion.
Good morning. Good morning. I've been um, I've been thinking for the last couple of days around um, today, and uh, I've had this um, series of words in my mind, and uh, and what I felt like God's saying was, if we don't use it, we lose it. And um, <laughs> it's a bit overwhelming when we've just sat through what we have. Because if we don't use what God's given us, we lose our opportunity to actually engage with what he's asking us to do. And we lose the opportunity to live in the blessing that he has poured out. And, and he, um, you know, God is faithful to restore that connection. Like Tim just said, you know, he's faithful to remove the stuff if we are yielded to him that's causing us to not um, operate in what he's called us to operate in. My, uh, my dad passed away earlier this year and we've spent a couple of months closing off his estate and selling, um, selling the last things that he owned. And I've had my dad's car for three or four years now. Dad... Um, I was adamant one day he would drive again. And um, about six months ago, I thought I'll get a roadworthy done on this car because we're going to sell the car. I'll get the roadworthy done. So I did that. Yep, tick. It's all roadworthy. It's ready to go. And so I thought I was doing the right thing. And I parked Dad's car in, um, in a friend's garage. And it sat there for six months. Just sat there was all looked after, right? Because it was in a garage. Protected it. It's all, it's all fine. And so uh, a friend um, a few weeks back I was talking to and we'd been talking about her purchasing dad's car. And I said, oh, it's had a roadworthy so I know it's right to go. But the roadworthy's expired so I'll just go get another one. We'll tick all the right boxes. We'll get you your roadworthy and the car's ready to go. <laughs> And Tim helped me. We got the car to the roadworthy joint. It was meant to be simple, right? You drop the car in. They check because we've already done the checks. So it's just we're ticking the box. And the guy rang me and he goes, now, you've got $700 worth of stuff wrong. And I'm like, what? <laughs> we had this done like four or five months ago. And he goes, what have you done with the car for the last four or five months? And I said, well, Nothing. It sat in a friend's shed. Well, there's your problem, he said. <laughs> and I, with all best intentions, put Dad's car somewhere to keep it safe, right? Thinking that that was the best thing for it. But because we weren't using the car, all these little bits of rubber everywhere that require the car to be used had perished, and, and God's called us into this relationship with him, right? And it's not meant to be um, an experience once where we get salvation and then we have a knowledge of him. We're called into a relationship where we have an experience and, and get a knowledge of him. But that experience is meant to be every week. 
right? And if we don't have the every week, the spiritual bits of rubber in our life are going to perish and then stuff gets messy <laughs> and then it costs stuff to fix, yeah? And um, I, was, I was reading this morning um, 2 Timothy 2. And I'll read through it all quickly, but then we'll stop on one spot. It says, Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. And all that you've learnt from me confirmed by the integrity of my life deposited into faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelation. Overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus, the anointed one. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so they may be fully satisfied with the one whom chose him. An athlete doesn't play by the rule. An athlete who doesn't play by the rules will never receive the trophy, so remain faithful to God. The farmer who labours to produce a crop should be the first one to be fed from its harvest. Carefully consider all that I've taught you, and may the Lord inspire you with wisdom and revelation in everything you say and do. But Jesus, the anointed one, your focus... But sorry, but make Jesus the anointed one your focus in life and ministry. For he came to earth as the descendant of David and rose from the dead according to the revelation of the gospel that God has given him. This is the reason I am persecuted and imprisoned by evildoers, enduring the suffering of these chains. But the word of God can never be chained. I endured all these hardships for the benefit of the chosen ones in Christ so that they may also discover the overcoming life that, in, that is in Jesus Christ and experience a glory that lasts forever. And then it says this, you can trust these words. Sometimes I need it real blunt. You can trust these words. If you were joined with him in his death, that's what communion is, right? We're joining with him in his death. That's what baptism is. Then we're joined with him in his life. And if you are joined with him in his suffering, then you will reign together with him in his triumph. But if we disregard him, then he will also disregard us. But even if we are faithless, he will be still full of faith. For he never wavers in his faithfulness to us. <laughs> you know, we started the service this morning with Catherine saying, you're still welcome at the party even if you didn't start it. And then Tim said, God was glorified through the work of their hands. You know, and Tim stood up here with this and I'm like, this is what God's talked to me about all week. Now it's making perfect sense. Because how often do things go in our head? 
and they get stopped about here. God wants to encounter us and he wants us to experience him and it gets to the filter of our mind and we stop the process. Because what will happen if we actually let him drop that right through to our heart? And, um, and I feel like this morning there's a, an invitation for us to actually translate some of the information that we have around him and who he is into a revelation of who he is. Because we can't live out of a Christianity where we know about him if we don't know him. Because if you know about something, if if you've read the book on how to drive a manual car, And I give you dad's car and I say, go for a spin. Who knows you won't leave the car park for a while? Yeah? Because actually the experience of doing something is very different than the information. And for some of us, we've got stuck with information for a while. It's all sitting here waiting to go. It's the tissues jammed up, piece of pipe, and the marbles are all lined up. And God's like, can I just rip the tissue out? So the marbles drop to where they were designed to. So you get the encounter where it was designed for. So as we have communion together this morning, let's just have a moment. Because I know that God is faithful to show you what those things are for you. Just as he was for Tim on Wednesday night. Just ask him, is there anything that is holding me back from an encounter with you? Father, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters. God, I thank you for what you purchased on the cross. God, I thank you that the cross is an invitation for us to have an experiential relationship with you. God, where we don't hear about the stories of healing, God, but we see stories of healing manifest around us and in us and through us. God, we thank you for restoration in our relationship with you. God, and we thank you that um, the overflow from that, God, is that people will see our lives and be restored to you. We thank you for encounters all across this place this morning. Father, I thank you that not one person would leave this place the same, God, but we would have encountered you in this place this morning and something would have shifted in our thinking and our understanding and our experience of who you are. And Father, your word says that we should gather together and take communion in remembrance of who you are. And so we remember you this morning. We remember your sacrifice. 
And Father, we thank you that your word says that we walk in power and authority because of what you bought on that cross. And so as we take communion this morning, Father, I thank you that there will be a powerful encounter with you. God, that people would would walk out of this place knowing who they are in you and would have encountered your power. Let's see. Yeah, Father, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for what it bought. Let's drink. Amen. Glory to God. You know, a lot of times um, people try and put God in a box. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. So, um, this morning might have been a little bit different. Just expect different. Just let that, that be our expectation that as, as we make room for God to move how he wants to move, he will. And it won't always look the same. And that's good. Now, um, just finish off this morning with uh, just some announcements. So tomorrow morning at Sammy's house, 35 Buckley Street, Long Gully, uh, there is playgroup, 9.30 playgroup. And so it's getting, um, it's getting busy, isn't it, Sammy? <laughs> and that's great. Um, yeah, so uh, I get good reports from the playgroup. I haven't been personally, but, um, but that's all right too. Uh, Wednesday night uh, down here, prayer meeting, 7.30. Uh, we're going to continue. Some things with holidays coming up, there are some things that um, won't be happening over the holidays. Prayer meeting still will be through the prayer meeting, so just Wednesday nights because, um, uh, yeah, I think that is a, that's an important important thing for for us to be just presenting ourselves before God in that in that way and um, and uh, that will continue Thursday uh, this Thursday men's night 7:30 at the Maxwell's house I discovered a, a, an interesting uh, interesting thing um, one of Caleb's friends for his 21st birthday gave him a sign that says Maxwell Road 
Now, I can't imagine where that may have, have, have um, had its first life. Um, but it, it ended up at our place. And, uh, and I put that on a tree. And it's got Maxwell Road just going into our driveway. Now, it doesn't work on Google Maps. But if you've got Apple Maps on your phone and you put in Maxwell Road, it will take you to our house. Because <laughs> Maxwell Road is... In Google Maps, how about that? So anyway, yeah, uh, seven thirty at uh, Maxwell Road. Um, yes, and Old Bridgewater Road. If um, if you don't have Apple Maps, um, we've got some things upcoming. Working Bee. Uh, we're going to have a Working Bee eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth. That's the first week of the holidays, I believe. Um, we may not need three days to do what we're going to do. We're, we're going to tidy up the after-school care hall, um, make that look uh, a lot prettier than it, um, that it is at present. So um, any amount of time in that time, if, um, if you're available, uh, there will be things that, um, that can be done there. So that's, uh, that's those dates. Uh, just a reminder, baby dedication will be happening on Sunday the 22nd if... You would like your little one dedicated, um, and that hasn't happened. Um, please, uh, please see me, and uh, we'll arrange uh, for that to be happening on that date, May the twenty-second. And one other thing: the last women's night uh, will be Tuesday the fifth, so that's next Tuesday week. And that will be um, down here on the big screen. We're going to be showing the war room. And that would be a perfect night to invite along any, um, any friends to introduce them to our community. So hallelujah.